Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the spirit inside everybody here tonight. Talking about the spirit of rock and roll, New Jersey. Do you feel it? Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and we're bringing the rock and roll again today. People, quarantine is here. Bassist PJ Farley from Trickster and from Fozzie. Luke Bryan, drummer Ken Slusher, and guitarist Joe McGinnis, one of the geniuses behind the Kiss uh, fan favorite band, Classic 78, are here tonight uh, to celebrate our new single and video, Love's a Deadly Weapon from uh, 1985's Asylum. We're almost at 100,000 views on YouTube, which is crazy since Heart of Chrome and No, No, No have just passed 100,000 views and they're seven months old. Uh, but you're going to hear how we uh, chose Love's a Deadly Weapon. Some of the Easter eggs we included for all you diehard Kiss fans who love 80s era's Kiss as much as we do. We shot the video in my backyard. It's the first time we've all been together in person since we started this band during the uh, COVID lockdown. I'd never met Joe McGinnis. PJ had never met Joe or Kent. First time ever. Uh, you hear all those stories. Uh, come meet Quarantine. Hang out with us here. How we got Kiss guitarist Bruce Kulick to play with us and appear on Heart of Chrome and in the video. Find out how much I practiced or didn't for the flaming hoop jump and Love's a Deadly Weapon. And discover when and how you might be able to see us play live. Quarantine is coming up. And so is a live Winnipeggers. The Idiot Olympics 2 is happening tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's live Special guests, more ridiculous contests. Uh, we, we, you know what we did last time. How bad is it going to be this time? It was our highest rated show ever, I think. Come with us uh, to laugh. Laugh with us. Laugh uh, at us. Any way you want it. Tomorrow night, Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook Live and YouTube channel. It's the Winnipeggers Idiot Olympics 2. Don't you dare miss it. All right. It's time, people. Are you ready to rock? Quarantine starts now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so um, the band that's taken the world by storm, Quarantine. Uh, the one thing we haven't done yet is talk is Jericho. And it's funny, I'm just going to jump right in with this, is Joe is kind of a good graphic artist in a certain amount of ways. <laughs> so he uh, put us on the cover of Metal Edge magazine. And I put, <laughs> I put that up on Instagram. And so many people thought it was real. It was the best. So they'll get a real kick out of the latest one. Well, yeah, but the, oh, that's what I'm getting to. But there was like, the Metal Edge is still in existence. And 
This is another thing. So I just literally put up the Rolling Stone one. <laughs> and the hilarious thing about it is some people think it's real, but some people think it don't. And here's the best part about it. Um, oh, <laughs> so it's like fantastic to see this quarantines on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Congratulations. You guys have, uh, have conquered the world of music. And then one guy goes, so it says in the cover exclusive interview with Keith Richards, remembering Jim Morrison. That's the other story featured <laughs> Joe. You, you spelt exclusive wrong. Oh, <laughs> oh man. And you spelt remembering wrong. <laughs> oh, are you oh my. Uh, oh, dude, we, almost, we almost had him. Yeah, it's exclusive E X L U S I V E. And uh, remembering is R E M E B E R I N G. God, how did I miss that? I don't know. How did we miss it? All four of us saw it and approved it. I, I looked at it several times and was really excited about it. Now I'm not. But how long will it take, do you think, to get mock uh, gold records? Let's really go the extra mile. Can't we call Steve Brown? Wasn't he doing that for a business or something at some point? <laughs> a business. <laughs> um, I'm, on, uh, I'm on top of the uh, number 25 billboard chart thing. I'm waiting for my graphic design artist, a real one, to get it situated. So you guys will all have one. I Oh, that's great. Chris, I started making Legitimate plaque. Thanks. Yeah. Just make sure we spell all the words right on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, la my last name will be spelled wrong, I guarantee it. <laughs> and pronounced wrong, too, probably. Promise you that. But um, like I said, it's it's great to do Talk as Jericho with you guys. It's the one thing that we haven't done. And um, we just put out the Loves a Deadly Weapon video, which is crazy because it's it did 40,000 views uh, in the first week, which is really strong. And I was thinking today, we now have a quarter of a million views on YouTube between our three songs. Wow. Wow. No, it's funny. I just went into YouTube and I, I just put Kiss in. Mm -hmm. I think it's Heart of Chrome is in the top 15 things that come up, our version of Heart of Chrome. You type in Kiss and then you scroll down and before you get to like 15, our version, our video for Heart of Chrome is on there. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. That's insane, man. Well, you know, and that and that's the thing. Like, it, it, it's it's so cool to see this type of reaction. And I can't say I'm surprised because Kiss fans are super hardcore, as we know. They're super loyal. And I think the fact that we have kind of created this niche and made a name for ourselves as this band who, like I say, we're like the worst super group ever. But it is some form of a super group. We all have our street cred and our kiss street cred but the fact that we picked this gimmick of doing 80s unmasked songs only and ones that aren't on video or ones that weren't released in singles i think it's starting to get uh, a name value because of that it's, it's something that we uh we we tied our hands behind our back with this <laughs> <laughs> how do you mean well some people are like all right well what are you gonna do you can't do this, the singles from that era you know, people, unless you know the that era of Kiss, they're just like, all right, Tears of Fallen, you know, and all the, the obvious ones. But we, we go deep. And uh, I, was, I was shocked at how many people knew the Easter eggs. I mean, the, the you know, the, the, hoop, the hoop and the stuff like that. I mean, that's from Heaven's on Fire, but the beginning. Yeah. You yeah. have to be die hard. Yeah. 
KISS fans to get that. And, and most everybody on that on the comments got it and knew what it was from. So You're talking about the, the, the beginning of the Loves a Deadly Weapon uh, video, which features a lot of kind of inside jokes from the KISS Exposed uh, video from like 1987 or something like that. But here's the thing. A lot of people saw that that don't know anything about the exposed video and thought it was funny regardless. True. And that's the secret to doing that, right? Very true. And then they'll go back and get exposed, hopefully. Well, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's almost like it reminds me of when Metallica, like in the early days when they didn't have enough material, they did all that diamond head stuff, you know, am I evil and, 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 you know, Blitzkrieg and all those types of tunes. I know Blitzkrieg's not diamond, but 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 people thought that they were original songs because they they hadn't heard them. So true. there's also a big segment I think of people that listen to Quarantine that have never heard any of these songs oh, and just just thinks it's a killer rock and roll band. Yeah, you read the comments, people are uh, they're in the dark. Probably some Kiss fans are even in the dark. Yeah, yeah, because th- this is an era of Kiss that's not really um, exposed. No pun intended. And there's so much material on those albums. Like even when we revisit revisit them, like even if we're talking about Love's a Deadly Weapon, I never thought it was a great, let me rephrase that. It was never one of my favorites on Asylum. Same thing with No, No, No from Crazy Nights. But then when we started doing it and started delving into it and dissecting it, it which is what you have to do when you do a cover, like, holy shit, what a killer tune. And now it's like, I love this song. Like how, how did I not see this before? Right. We kind of polished the, uh, the old dust off of it, I think. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, Joe, both those songs are so guitar-centric. They're like showcases for the guitar player, both of them. Yeah, they definitely put me to work. And, uh, you know, whatever I do from here on out is going to be a cakewalk for me. Because, <laughs> you know, we did all the heavy lifting already, I think. Yeah. Right. I, I couldn't say – I could say the exact same thing. I've never played more double – I haven't played more. I played more double bass in the past year than I have in thirty. That's what we're saying. There's not a lot of double bass parts, and that's my kind of night. Not, or... not so much. <laughs> but and that, that, but that must be fun for you, Kent, though, because and obviously none of us have been playing anyways. But even if we were, it's like like for me, and then I'll let you answer. Is that for Fozzy now? We're we're such a radio centric band because we've had a lot of success in that. So there's a certain way you sing the songs and our producer is very strict on what he wants, which is great. But to come and do, you know, Heart of Chrome or, or Loves the Deadly Web, where you can just scream and just all these high parts. Like it was kind of a real, uh, like to let off some steam in that end and kind of keep that side of my voice working. It must have been the same for you, like you mentioned, after not really being a rock drummer for 30 years. Yeah, per se. absolutely. It, 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 may, it challenged me and made me go, you know, go to different tools in the toolbox. You know, I, I just, I had to, I'm a perfectionist as most musicians are that I know, and I wanted to do it justice. So I wanted to really, really nail the parts. You know, I told you guys when we did the video, I did it and I have to cut the air off up here in the studio area. And mm-hmm. I was literally, you, you look like I took a, a jump in the lake at your place. And it's it just <laughs> absolutely was challenging. And it makes you really, really, really appreciate what Eric Carr brought to the table and he was such a little dude and those huge drums and all this and that. And it's just it really, really made me appreciate what he did and what he brought to the table as a player because I was dying. How about you, PJ? Um, because like I told you before, when I saw when I did the Kiss Cruise and I was watching Gene do the Alive set, that was the Alive uh, in its entirety. And I always knew Gene was good, but but he's really 
amped it up over the last decade or so. What a great bass player. And there's a lot of interesting parts on these songs as well. How is it for you learning those Gene parts for your style of playing? You know, I mean, Gene, yeah, is definitely is sorely underrated in, in my book, and I'll always fight for him. But really, these songs in this whole era that we're doing, it's the arrangements are really the task. It's the, the timing, the, you know, different parts, and it, it's really just the arrangement that's, and, you know, and plus a lot of these songs are fast, and that's a lot of picking, that's a lot of, you know, it's a lot, of work, a lot of work there, and you know, Gene definitely didn't um, slack off there. But yeah, I mean, really, the songs as a whole were a lot to kind of bite off and digest. You know, this song in particular was a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't think those guys could play that song right now if you know they were paid. And that's saying something. They never did play it. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. talked about this before but let's kind of go into it from from joe and kent's wavelength of how this whole project started so i think you and i were talking a little bit chris and we kind of um when we were shooting yeah. and uh you know the whole concept of you know getting together and doing this kind of started from kent uh being off the road and uh and i had just gotten a uh Floyd Rose, you know, ESP guitar. I was really dabbling in Kiss stuff. So I told Kent, I said, you know, we're not doing anything. Why don't we throw together some Kiss tunes? And he's like, yeah, that's great. We kind of bounced that back and forth. And um, No, No, No kind of came out of that. And, you know, we definitely didn't know at the time, you know, you know, it would end up number 25 on the Billboard charts, etc. <laughs> but, you know, Kind of a, a crazy how uh, life works that way, but um, thankfully you two, you know, hopped on board and did amazing, amazing work on the song. Well, what was the original plan for it, Kent? Just the two you guys just hanging around, having some fun? Yeah, I mean, he and I, you know, musically wanted to challenge ourselves musically. So, you know, we, we tossed that one out there. And we're like, yeah, man, but the thing between the two of us, we can pull this off. Meaning Joe can pull everything off except drums. And he can even play those too, probably. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we all, you know, us three uh, send Kiss trivia back and forth. Or I, I was to you, just silly lyrics and stuff. So I sent this intro. I'd cut the drum track and, you know, the that thing. And I said, name this song. And Chris goes... Well, that's no, no, no. He, you know, five seconds later, it came back, and mm -hmm. he goes, "Yo, you guys." He goes, "You know, what's your plan for this?" I was like, "Well, I, you know, Joe and I, I got this guitar player, who's incredible, and I was like, we're gonna put it on YouTube, ha ha ha." He goes, "Y'all need, <laughs> need a singer. Let me know." I was like, "Hell he yeah!" Goes, oh, yeah you're gonna do it. I was Just... like, "You're, you're, you're in. Here's the contract. It's being faxed over right now." 
<laughs> that was a tough contract too, man. It must have been one of them Luke Bryan contracts, but I signed it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, a so text from numbers saying yeah. congratulations. Or uh, hey guys, this is or hey Joe, this is your new band. You know, here's your new man, uh, new band members. Say hello to everyone. I'm like, boy, this yeah. happened really quick. Oh, that's that's what Kent did with the with the group text, Joe. So what I find not, not only musically are we compatible, but our uh, sense of humor, you know, a lot of our dialogue that we have in our group chat, you know, we, we are cohesive as a person as, as far as personalities go, we're cohesive as well. So you, what you, what you really mean to say is we're twisted. We're twisted. Like, uh, like, like <laughs> most of what we do. Right. Certifiably, yeah. But, well, you know, and then I said, Chris, do you, do you know a bass player? And he goes, I got the guy with again, within five seconds, he goes, I got a guy. And he comes in, he, reached out to PJ and then I think within an hour we have a project and we haven't played a note together yet, you know? So we had, you know, we had big aspirations for, for this thing. So, but what's so funny is, is, um, cause PJ and I are in another group text with, with, with Eric Martin and Steve Brown and Joey Casada. And, but we had never played anything before PJ or I don't even really know. Uh, cause you hadn't done the kiss stuff with Joe yet, which we'll talk about. I think I just, thought of you because of our once again our personality knowing how good of a player you are but i think to me the reason why i thought that kent and joe would think it's cool is that trickster toured with kiss that's the first thing i thought and i was like well this gives him the ultimate street cred to be in this band one thousand percent i thought that was the coolest thing so so nostalgic for me it's like yes let's please let's make this work so (laughs) i was in all in from the get-go so what did you think when i asked you about it i was Shocked by the, the song selection. <laughs> you text me like, do you like 80s Kiss? That was it. Not like, hey, we're going to go like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. And, he, and you basically just said, yeah, we're going to uh, do two songs with Kent and Joe. We're going to do no, no, no and Heart of Chrome. I just went, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, no, no, no. Um that one really threw me for a loop, but I was excited when I heard Heart of Chrome. Obviously, loving revenge. You know, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Right. Yeah. How did we come up with Heart of Chrome, Joe? I don't remember how that one was decided on. Well, I want to say that uh, Kent, Kent and I were discussing tunes, you know, even beforehand. And he's like, well, we definitely should do a Paul one because I think if Chris is going to do this, you know, He'll definitely want to do something like this, uh, like Heart of Chrome or, you know, one of those. Yeah, he's a huge Paul fan. Yeah, I said, right. Chris is a huge Paul uh, guy. But I think, so do that. you know, I think uh, that was kind of, you know, in the mix or in the discussion, at least. So, um, yeah, I don't remember the exact conversation. I, I think I might have suggested because I remember thinking like like Kent just said. You did. And, and you said, too, like, yeah, I'm a huge Paul fan. And, and also, too, to sing a Gene song first was really strange. Because of course I love Gene, but but in the '80s, especially Paul was my was my guy, and I was thinking, wow, we're gonna do no no no. Well, if that's the case, <laughs> Mister Lead Singer Disease. Well, if I'm gonna do that one, then you guys are gonna have to do the one that I want to do, or I'm not doing this thing, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Which of course is not what I meant, but I was like, well, what about Heart of Chrome? Because like Kent just said, what a great Paul song to sing, and unlike No 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 and Loves a Deadly Weapon, I knew it like the back of my hand, like. Those songs I've been I've been singing that one since it came out in 1992. So where I had to actually put a little work into love and into no because I wasn't as familiar with the vocal nuances of it 
the heart of Chrome. I mean, I think I had that session done in about 90 minutes because you just either you know it and it becomes part of your you know musical DNA or you don't. And that was one of those ones that just fit right in. Right. That that album is such a I'm, I'm such a huge fan of that album. I, it would be it would be not cool to not do a song off Revenge. I think that's some of the strongest work, in my opinion. And what's really cool about that record or about that song is that's where Eric Singer kind of came into the picture. And, well, and Eric's actually the one that said, hey, you ought to get Bruce on this thing. So when it came down to the section, the bridge, you tell me lies about all that you feel, all that stuff. I was doing the parts here, or most of the parts, some of the parts. And then Chris did the other stuff. We all kind of, but anyway, I sent it to Eric. It's like, man, what do you think of this? He goes, man. He goes, that sounds awesome, but I'd throw one more part on there. There's actually a high part on this thing. I'm like, okay, cool. So I sent it to Eric Singer. And I said, what do you think of this? That's cool. Yeah. So, so, he, so hold on. So I, I never knew that. So Eric, so Eric let, let you know that we missed. You're talking about the vocal part, which in the video, it's kind of, we, we did a Queen Bohemian Rhapsody thing. But you're saying that we had missed a harmony that Eric told you to try? I think so he said, man, you That's ought to awesome. put that higher part in. I was doing, I did three or four of the parts and, Jer- Jericho did the rest, but or something. I can't even remember who did them all. But anyway, I remember sitting at the desk working on it, and I I just soloed the vocals and I printed up a mix and I sent it to the singer, and he goes, "Man, that sounds killer." But throw one more part on there. I think that's cool. A record like that or something like that. So singer, you should have him do it. I, man, I trust me. The thought <laughs> definitely crossed my mind. But, you know, I didn't want no. to. No, then the contracts really come into play. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, this but anyway it was just again nostalgic for me knowing that i saw pj you know on tour with them and now we're sending all these parts back and forth and i came across the video of, of pj and i doing the literally the bass and drums i found this video on my phone and just soloed the drums in the bass and it's so killer and i sent it to him again, or i posted it again i was like man that's just too cool because you hear the parts and your bass parts and it's just that's so cool, cool. It came together really, really organically, this whole thing. Well, it's another thing that Joe uh, touched on is that like, and we've all been going through different stuff in the, in, in this lockdown quarantine area, but I mean, it's, you know, we're all musicians and even, even for me, I've been still wrestling, but I've been in the same city for the last 10 months and thank goodness we can go there. But like, I was thinking like, I can't wait to go back to Denver or Dallas or Detroit or Toronto or London or whatever. But the quarantine thing with a K, our band, kind of provided an extra outlet of creativity, but also, which is such an almost forgotten word from that year of 2020, it was fun. Like, it was fun to talk to you guys and shoot the shit on, you know, on uh, texts and all that sort of stuff. It really was a, was a really mentally helpful project not just musically, but from, like I said, from a fun standpoint, did you guys feel that as well? You know, being in a band is fun, no matter what. I mean, guys get together, guys and girls, whatever, doesn't matter. You get in a band and you start the group text and the ball busting starts and just the jokes. (laughs) And that's the stuff that keeps you sane out on the road and why, you know, it gives you that kind of, internal safety net when you're on the road and you're away from your family and stuff, you have your road family, you have your band. Because if you can get along with your band and stuff, it just makes it so much more fun. So forget about just the playing of the music and having fun yourself doing the tracks and doing a song that you love, then making friends and, you know, having this whole other thing grow 
you know, on the sideline of it is like um, that's enough. That's the other bonus. That's that's the half. It's half and half for me. You know, the camaraderie, right? The camaraderie, and it's the it's the make the making and the playing and the music. It goes hand in hand. So when you have that, it's just like you know, that's the full Monty right there. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, Kent, what has playing in this band quarantine been like for you during the entire pandemic? Man, it is definitely. You can ask my wife for sure. I, I, I'm, I'm a road dog. That's what I love doing, and and so it, I, it's one thousand percent kept me, helped keep me sane. And I still, you know, it's an ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm down, sometimes I'm up, and I just miss doing what we do. What's it, you know, what's in our hearts to do? What's our passion? But this definitely gave me something to focus on because I knew, you know, I wasn't going to go be able to go out and play with Luke. Uh, anytime soon, but just because of the, you know, the world, the way it is right now. So this came along and just kind of unfolded. And it was just, like I said, it gave me something to focus on. It gave me a new fellowship group mm-hmm, you know, yeah. to talk to, you know, and just another set of ears or another set of eyes to bounce things off. And, you know, Joe and I were pretty tight anyway. And, and Chris, I've known you for several years now. And then bringing PJ in, like I said, it just kind of organically, everybody just like like Joe said, you know, when we got to hang out in person for the first time yeah. in the year, it, everybody was joking, cracking up. It was just the only thing that was missing were the texts, you know. We were doing it in person, <laughs> and it was a blast. And it, you know, so so there's definitely chemistry, and and you know, it's it's pretty cool, man. It gives me something else to focus on and and enjoy. And you put Kiss and friends and things like that together, it, it goes. And just to say it again, and I, I think it's I think it's the same for PJ. PJ and I never met Joe, and I don't know if PJ if you'd met Kent. Either. So we we just met a couple of weeks ago when we filmed the "Loves a Deadly Weapon" video in my backyard. But speaking from personal experience, I had never met Joe McGinnis in my life. We had talked a lot, and obviously we worked together. And we had a top twenty-five Billboard hit, <laughs> and had never met festive face to face. And PJ hadn't met Kent or Joe, so half the band. You know, and that to me, it's like it's a cool kind of like in this pandemic and lockdown, there was two ways to take it. One is to let it steamroll you over and wither up and die or let's be creative and figure out a way to to thrive as much as we can. And here we created this great project and this great band. And we said there's no there's no end to this. We can do this as much or as little as we want, but we never really have to stop it. And it never would have happened had there not been a, a coronavirus. So in that respect, it's one small, you know, plus of this whole thing. Now, Joe, I want to ask you this because once again, we've talked about this a lot, but for people that haven't heard Quarantine, this is probably like the biggest band you've been in. And the fact that like PJ has a gold record, Kent plays stadiums. I've had some success, but for yourself, it must be pretty cool to know that, hey, you have a, a charting song. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm still kind of new to this. Uh, you guys have been nothing but kind and welcoming and uh, making me feel like 
I'm, uh, you know, one of you guys, because truthfully, I've kind of done music, but on a much smaller scale than all of you, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I'm playing with big dogs now, so to speak, and it's pretty amazing. I had to, uh, within the first month or two, um, it really took me a while to kind of grasp the concept. I'm in a band with all these guys, and we have, a, you know, a song that's, what, you know, uh, at this point, No, No, No has... How many views? A uh, hundred thousand and some hundred hundred and fifteen thousand, I think now. Like you said, a quarter of a million uh, total. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the time, I, I really had to kind of pinch myself and say, I mean, it's not you know. On top of that, the world was in you know complete chaos once this uh, virus hit. So you have so many thoughts going through your head, but then this happens, and you're like, wow, how on earth do you get from one end of the spectrum complete, you know? Uh, negativity to having something so great kind of blossom out of it and you know like i said you guys are definitely a lifesaver over here as far as i'm concerned because you've brought uh me not only me but my family loves watching this and they love uh you know seeing what comes of it so you know seeing what comes of it so you know i was gonna say as well um there's it's there's so many intertwining as Keith Richards says about him and Ron Wood playing the weaving, there's so many weaving of our storylines together, but going back to this, when we put this project together, as far as, like I said, if this was a kiss convention, for example, PJ could go because he toured with kiss, but Joe is actually has the most street cred at the time from hardcore kiss fans because of classic 78, which is Joe's project where, let me see if I get this right. You guys write songs and play songs in the vein of Kiss from the 70s, but they're all original songs. Sure. Yeah, Is that's that- ultimately how it works. You know, we, uh, my buddy Tom and I, uh, you know, pretty much will put these songs together. Uh, Tom's a very uh, huge part of that. You know, he's an excellent songwriter. I sometimes wonder if he is, uh, you know, Ace Frehley's, long lost (laughs) he thinks a lot like those guys would in the 70s so uh if you listen to some of the lyrics he writes you could totally hear you know that stuff being on a 70s kiss album or a a demo so that's pretty much the premise of what we do and yeah so what i was going to say is is when that came out and and we've mentioned this when i went to paul stanley's house to talk to him about the revenge 25th anniversary we were in his kind of living room and he said, when we were done, you got to listen to this classic 78. Have you heard it? That's, that's great. So I listened to your band, Joe, in Paul Stanley's living room. Wow. And then later on, we end up in a band together. Like that's pretty cool. Right. Easy to me. So was it a cassette or a CD or what? Or, or... I just, I, I'm assuming it's probably the CD or maybe it was on st- streaming or something. Cause I, like, like I said, we were playing. So when you go to Gene's house, you guys have heard this and, and maybe you've seen it. Like he's literally, it's, it's the most coolest thing for guys like us. Every single piece of kiss memorabilia he has. And I'm not kidding. Like he'll even say, I found almost every piece of memorabilia. And if there's, if I don't have it here, I'm going to find it to the point where he built another room upstairs for all the kiss. Hello. Hello Kitty merch. There's another 1500 or something. So I'm talking, remember uh, color forms, like those little things that were kids, those little. Pl- so he's got everything. Paul has nothing. Literally. I've been to his house three or four times and he's got a picture of Robert Johnson that he painted. 
and he's got kind of a man cave downstairs where I think there was a picture of Paul from like the Palladium in 1976 or something. And the one thing he has is a Kiss pinball machine, but it's an updated version. And so we played Kiss pinball and I beat him at Kiss pinball. So listen, I know Paul and he's my friend, but I'm still fucking a huge Kiss fan. So I'm like, I'm like you guys, I'm in Kiss Paul's house and I just beat him in pinball. So forgive me if I don't remember if we listened to it on cassette, eight track album, whatever the hell it was. It just, he, he put it on. Right. So, you know, so there was that side. And then also like when I told like Charlie Benanti, he's a very close friend of mine. He was super excited that Joe was in the band as well. So you had that credibility from being, you know, in classic 78 to be in our band. Just to interject, you've been to Paul's house how many times? Four, four times. Okay, let us now know. When you hit his doorbell, what does it do? <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. The first time he answered the door, he said, Lifestyles, you were here last week. <laughs> I said, no, it's Chris. <laughs> Gosh, that, it's crazy. I mean, you talk about the Kiss 78, classic Kiss stuff. Joe, Joe, I, I knew, I've known Joe for a while. It was a couple of years and he goes, oh yeah, man, we got this thing, you know, and here it is, man. Check it out. Go get these. And I literally, my wife and I and the kids were out running errands or something. And I literally put this on and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh my God, that yeah. sounds exactly yep. like Kiss. I mean, his Paul Stanley, like I think we've talked about this, is, is, is it's crazy how much it sounds like Paul. It's, it's, it, I, I literally had to stop the car and listen. Like I pulled over and we pulled into a parking spot and I just kept listening and fast forwarding and going to the next song going, these guys are every song. It's you think that they're like lost B-sides from Kiss from Love Gun Sessions or something. B-sides. Uh, when I first heard it, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Why are they not playing? Why are they not playing these songs? That's <laughs> yes, what I was right. saying. I mean, a lot of songs should have been. It would be great if this was actually playing these songs. It's amazing. But Joe, this, this is just something you did independently, right? Like it's on Spotify, but it's not like you guys have a record deal or anything like that. I believe it or not, uh, we've been scouted by some labels uh, after the you know after the releases. But yeah, it's all independent. Um, you know, my partner Tom. You know, he's he's a very uh, you know, he wants to do everything the right way as far as release. You know, that's why we didn't release it. It sounds stupid, you know, on the surface. But as a KISS fan, that was a vital part to their success in the 70s was that mystique. And he, right. that way he wanted to put stickers in the CDs. So he does everything. You know, <laughs> um, and, and pretty much we agree on these things. And But he's always one step ahead of me with stuff like that um but as far as you know musically i mean the combo between two of us is is uh pretty awesome and i'm thankful he's a great guy too great guy. yeah it was, what, like, what, it, was, it was like joe was in gore, gore or something we weren't allowed to know who he was <laughs> well yeah when we first were going to do the saturday night special that we did together with bruce kulik uh we were like well can we you were like i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say it from classic 70 and i'm like what are you talking about this is your chance He's like he's like he's like the, the, the luchador. You're not allowed to see him without the mask. Yeah. You know? We should have unveiled him like separately, you know. And he, he goes, the eyebrow like Gene with the hair. <laughs> he pulls the thing down there's his face. Joe, we could we could have given you makeup and called you Turtle Boy. <laughs> That's right, Turtle Boy. Um, yeah, I I went to the Kiss convention in Manhattan and uh, 
Peter, Chris was there and Bruce Kulik. But I wore this, uh, I had a shirt made up of um, Classic 78. And no one knew I was in the band. But <laughs> Potter, I told Thomas, I'm going to uh, Manhattan to, for, you know, to this convention. I want to see what kind of reaction we get. So I wore the shirt and I could not believe it. Literally every person said, I love your shirt, man. You that that band that band's great, you know. And uh I wanted to be like, it's me. <laughs> it's me, my booth will be over here in the corner. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? They say, Oh, that band, what a bunch of turd. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of fun. They're ruining 78 kiss. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. DJ, let's talk a little bit about some of your tour experiences with KISS because at this point in time in like 1992 you were probably are you 20 years old yet 20, 19 20 21 19 you're a Jersey guy grew up with KISS whatever it may be first of all how was that to even get the 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 information that you're going to be going out with KISS in an arena tour um, I mean that was I mean I, I tell the story I remember getting the call we were out Steve and I were out in LA and we were we were mixing our second record, Trickster's second record here. And we had just gotten out there. It might've been the day we got out there or the day after. And we're in, uh, in the hotel and we get the call saying that we got, I think we had been offered the tour, but we were waiting for confirmation. And we didn't know if we were going to get it because there was also stipulation with uh, the timeline and we had a deadline to meet and if the record wasn't done. We weren't going to go on tour they, and he wasn't going to pay for it. But um, we got the call that they accepted us. They green lighted us. And Steve and I were just jumping, jumping around the room, high five. And, and at that point, I mean, we had already done arena tours, played with, you know, boys and scorpions. And we, we'd done it all hometown arenas, gold records, the, the whole nine. And th- this was like, we got the call and reacted as if we had never been on the road before, never played before. <laughs> just fucked us from, well, we really did get from high school. <laughs> right. Uh, and, like, first thing ever. And we was just like, it was amazing, you know, to get that call, even though we'd done so much leading up to that, that all went away. Once, it, once we got the call, we got the kiss tour, here are the dates, you know, hometown arena, the whole, yeah. whole you know, boom. Did you do a hometown show on that tour? Badlands Arena, yeah. Wow, that must have been killer. Jeez. Pennsylvania, we did the Spectrum, Nassau Coliseum. I, w- I would I would expect those those houses were pretty pretty full. Like in New York area, Kiss was probably drawing some, some decent numbers still. It was good. It wasn't great. It was, I mean, definitely much better shows. But, I mean, it was good. But, you know, you know it's like New York, L.A., mm. Rock bands around 92, 93. That was... It was the grunge era. It was, it was a cold winter. You know? <laughs> and that, that blows my mind. I saw that tour in Kentucky, and they were like... So that was the point. 
that was probably the worst show of that tour besides um, Arco Arena in Sacramento. Same thing. And at that point, I think Rupp Arena may, might have been the largest It's arena. a big place. And there was literally maybe 1,500 people there. Wow. It, 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 it was, I, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe the show went on. It was incredible. It's, well, so, so, they, so Kiss wasn't going to cancel, though. They'll, they'll play it no matter what, right? They oh, yeah. Not. Thank God. They were not packing up and going home. They took a pay cut, too. I don't know if I should tell them about that. <laughs> it was, it was uh, but still, you know, all, with that being said, it was still probably my favorite non-makeup Kiss show I'd ever seen. It was incredible. I mean, the set list, the stage, the whole thing. Plus, you know, it was, it was you guys, Faster Pussycat, right? Yeah. And then Kiss. And it was, you know, I was, you know, 92. So it was, I was blown away. Like I said, the set list and the whole nine yards. But yep. again, Rupp Arena is a big place. Chris, you know Rupp yep. pretty well. Absolutely. Lexington, is it Lexington, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a big basketball arena. Huge, it's a, huge. And it's a tough market there. Weird tour to have play one night. In a place of yeah. like fifteen hundred people, and then we can go to the Palace of Auburn Hills, which is just about the same size, and be sold out. Wow, that's, that's crazy, crazy. So Detroit and the that Midwest area was still a bastion for Kiss, even at that point in time. All the places that that uh, Alive Three, Indianapolis, I think it was Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, maybe Dayton or something, Cincinnati or Cleveland or something. Yeah, I think it was Dayton. It was Dayton. Indianapolis, Mark Square Arena, and uh, Palace. And, um, they were all tremendous. You know, and we we did. We had we had great shows, but we had a lot of shows that was just like, oh my god, what the hell. What was the interaction that you had with the band? Did you like good any good times with Gene and Paul, or how did it work with those guys? Yeah, I mean, um, Gene. Anyone who knows Gene. Has heard or has heard stories about Gene. He's a people person. He loves to talk and get in the mix with you. And you know, Singer too. I mean, Singer was in our dressing room more than Kiss's dressing room. <laughs> come in and say, Eric Singer should be a drummer. <laughs> every night he would say, Eric Singer should be your drummer every night. Oh. It's like Gene, he's your drummer. You know that. Right? <laughs> well, he wanted to cut. <laughs> oh, that, there we go. But, yeah, I mean. Not too much interaction with Paul, but um, yeah, no, Gene and Eric and you know, see Bruce in passing and stuff. You know, Bruce is definitely, you know, a kind of to himself kind of guy, did his own thing. But you know, Gene loved to hang out and you know, be part of the mix. Eat your cookies, yeah, eat your cookies. He would come out with us on off nights, we'd go out to the bar, or you know, he'd go come shoot pool with us and hang. Jeez. Can't imagine Gene Simmons shooting pool. <laughs> I, I was just thinking the same thing. All that jewelry on at that time. Like, oh. He wasn't good at it. I'll tell you that. He wasn't good? Good. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, Kent, about something earlier that we spoke about when you mentioned singing the vocals for Heart of Chrome. Do you sing vocals live with uh, with Luke with Luke as well? I don't with Luke. I don't. Okay. Um, a lot of the re- – well, it's just that, you know, it. I play pretty hard. I got to enter <laughs> – I heard you sing "Living Out a Prayer" and "Paradise." Oh, with, oh you know what? That that is true. I, I would go, I would sing lead vocals on "Living on a Prayer," and if we did it, we didn't want to change the key. So if we're doing it, we're going to do it record key. So we did "Living on a Prayer" record key, and it was 
killing me. I do the whole, you know, I did the headset mic and the whole thing because I had to play it. So I was like, oh, great Garth Brooks. Here come the Garth Brooks jokes, you know. But the, the reason I did it is because of bleed through, you know, with the, with the, with an actual microphone. So, yeah, I, I did sing, Joe, thank you, I forgot, but I did sing Living on a Prayer. The last show of the tour, we had the uh, drummer from uh, Colson Wendell's band got up and played Living on a Prayer, and I went out front with Luke. Yeah, that's nice. At Detroit Lions Stadium, so that's, uh, I was so nervous. I don't know how y'all do it. Chris, I don't know how you do it. Stadium, that's, that's the one, right? I was, I was scared to death. You know, Kent- I was scared to death. You know, Kent's very soft-spoken and very polite, but when he sings, it's kind of amazing. I mean, to hear him play in front of him, I think where I saw him, it was about 20,000 people, and there's Kent singing Living on a Prayer, and it's blasting. It sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. you. have a killer voice. It was, it was high. See, Kent's one of those Nashville guys, though. Every single guy that's a Nashville kind of studio uh, hired gun drummer can sing, can play, can set up the gear, can record, can produce. It's like one of those musos that probably should have been drowned at birth. He's so f- talented. makes me sick. Joe, that's Joe to me. That's you guys. To me, PJ. Hey, PJ, your solo record's really good, man. Who played on this? Oh, I played everything. <laughs> right. Oh, that's great. That's cool. I uh, I play drums. I can barely do that. So uh, I have guitars. I, I'm a good guitar holder. I'm not very good of a player. But... No, they are. They're over there. I'm looking at them right now. So. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about Bruce for a second. Bruce Kulik, who did play on the Heart of Chrome video, which was so like Bruce has, has been a friend of mine for years. But to, I was like, when you guys were like, we should ask Bruce, and I was kind of like, I think I might have even said you can't. Like, okay, yeah, you ask him. Like, how many requests does he get to play on Kiss stuff? But you tell us that story. How did you get him involved? Because he did a great job. Man, it, it was one of those passing singer goes. Man, you ought to ask Bruce to do it. He'd probably do it. And I was like, man, I don't want to really bother him, you know, and yeah. one of those things. And next thing I know, a couple of days later, I have a, a message from Bruce in my inbox. Hey, Ken, I'd love to reach out to, you know, Bruce, he's very business. You know, yes. And he's very, here's, you know, <laughs> he's like, here's, here's what, you know, here's what I need. Here's what I want to know. You know, very, very, very nice, very polite. And uh, he wanted to be a part of it. Long story short, he was, he was in. And again, I was like, what? Wait, whoa. My head was like. It's kind of spinning, you know, and now I've, now I've got to talk to Eric Singer and Bruce Kulik within a week of each other. And so, and then I think Joe got involved with Bruce, didn't, 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 because you've known Bruce before, before I had ever talked to him. I, I never actually, I had met him at a KISS convention one time and we spoke, oh. but other than that, I didn't know him. Uh, oh, so, well, there you go. See, didn't, didn't you have to help him set up his rig or something like that, Joe, or was that PJ that did that? I know somebody had to help him with the technical stuff. I think PJ helped him and I helped him as well. You know, I sat yeah. on Bruce for pro- probably about an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just, <laughs> listen. You know, I've, my whole life, you know, people have been recording, and I've just been sitting there playing the part. So he said, 
I'll gladly do this project with you guys, but you just have to be patient because yep. I'm learning this stuff, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, um, he was busting my chops for not being able to help him. I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I just hit things for sticks. <laughs> well, that's a good thing that we provided for for Bruce. We got him in to basically make him get into GarageBand and then, you know, basically he, get into home recording for the first time. And he nailed it. His tone is exactly exactly the same. <laughs> like the record, I, I was like, oh my god. Did you have to show him GarageBand, PJ? I gave him a little bit of tips. I'm like, look, I'm embarrassed, but I'm running an old version of GarageBand. I'm like, I'm kind of a dinosaur when it comes to it, too. I said, but, you know, here's what I know. And, uh, you know, and probably call Joe again. <laughs> and then, yeah. Go ahead, Kent. I was going to say that luckily you came into picture who actually really knew Bruce and, and kind of put yeah. all the pieces of the puzzle together and, and made everything work and like he like joe was saying guys be patient i'll get you the part and it was like three days later and we had all the parts well that's what i do I'm, I'm the schmoozer right like i can't i don't know how to run anything and thank goodness that my friend ed lives in town so i go to his house to record he puts all the tracks together but the one thing i can do like you said is schmooze once i found that bruce was interested it's like bruce thank you so much for doing this it's you know we, we, it's, a, it's a homage to because he, he was like Chris Jericho loves my era of Kiss. It's always his era. Very proud of that. You know, and to have him involved was like it was really, it was really cool. Like, there, there's two sides to the to the coin. No, no pun intended, uh, of having Bruce in because I wanted him to be involved, but I didn't want it to seem like this is some kind of a gimmick. And it's a, like I liked having Bruce there, but I wanted the band to be built around us. So to have him involved was cool. But then when you say we want him on the video, I'm like. I can't ask him to do that too. Like that's, you're really overstepping it, <laughs> but here he is set up his little recorder on his couch and <laughs> play his stuff. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. I, was, I, I don't even, did I ask him that Joe? Or was, I think you did. I put all, I put all the heat on you, Kent. You ask him. Yeah. I haven't talked to him since. That's what you I'm ask saying. him. No, I'm kidding. He, you know what? He was, he was so gracious. And like you said, to bring a heavy hitter in like that, you know, who was actually in kiss right out of the gate. Yeah. It's like, do like you said, do we really want to go down that path of of doing that and then, you know, everything else kind of be what it is, you know, so him coming in right out of the gate and it worked, you know, and it golly, that that whole thing was again was a huge. whirlwind. It was huge. My point was like, why would he want to come and play it a, a part that he's already played? Right. But he saw it as in like and he's really smart. Like once like we said earlier, this is bringing this whole era of kiss that's kind of forgotten into the forefront to where people who have never heard these songs go, A, that's Kiss, and B, that's great. Yeah. Like, give me more of that. And he heard No, No, No before he said yes? He did. I I, I, I sent it to him. Because, he did. you know, it's, it, it's the classic story, and I'll tell it again. Like, I'm excited about this, too, but, you know, it's a carry, carry a big stick and walk softly or whatever the cliche is. I think that's a Gene Simmons B-side from The Vault. Um <laughs> But like I know Gene and I know Paul and I know the dynamic, but like this is pretty f cool that No No No, this obscure song that's written by Gene, Bruce, and I think Eric has a co-write on that. So I sent it to Paul as well, but Paul was a little bit more like, I think the one quote that he gave me was was the the emoji, the puking emoji with the green puke coming out. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. But Gene loved it, and Gene sent it to Bruce, and so they told me that, right? 
So I think once that came out, then I asked Bruce about, about Heart of Chrome. Now, let me just say this. When I sent Paul Heart of Chrome, because beforehand I said, we're going to sing Heart of Chrome. He said, if you can sing that song in the original key with the original melody, then you're doing something, you know, something special. And I was like, oh, it's going to be the original key, original melody. Like if I'm going to tackle that same thing when I did the wheel blocks over the summer with uh, Phil Demmel and Johnny from Avenged and, and Nita, like you can't down tune it because Maiden fans are like Kiss fans. They're listening. If you, if you're not good enough to do it, don't do it. So when Paul said that, I was like, okay. And then I sent it, sent it to him. And he's like, this is great. This is great stuff. Paul loved Heart of Chrome. Gene loved No, No, No. And that's the way it should be. Why would they like each other? (laughs) 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 True man. I hate his career. Yeah. So, but I I think like we said, to have Bruce involved with that. And and I just want to say something else too about, um, about how uh, influential Charlie Benanti was in all of this, because when I told Charlie we were doing this and he, he knew about Joe and classic seven, eight, because Charlie is a seventies kiss fan to the end of time could really care less about eighties, nineties, really like there's certain guys that are like that. Right. Yeah. So when I told Charlie, he had done his series of, I think he had done, I don't know, whatever the f- he did 2112 and he was doing mother love bone. But I said, who is editing your videos? Cause right. And he said this cat called Dima Levin Chuck from Seattle. So Dima, did both of our uh, uh, first two quarantine videos and did such a great job because that's when, that was us just filming it on our iPhones. Incredible. Like in the midst of the lockdown, right? Yeah. So then Charlie ends up doing some Kiss covers and tell us how that came about. It was Mr. Speed and I think it's, is it all the way? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so Joe, tell us how you got involved in that because then you brought PJ on board as well. Right. So I want to say I've known Charlie for maybe uh, four or five years. Um, you know, he, he was kind of a uh, very uh, vocal in his love for classic 78. And he was always, you know, promoting us where he could. And um, so he reached out to me years ago and kind of basically we talked to classic 78 and 70s kiss. And the first time I ever said, do you like uh, any of the 80s? Kiss? <laughs> Was there was there an '80s Kiss? <laughs> you know, please, there's no other era of the band, you know, which I I respect. I definitely understand where he's coming from in some aspects, but you know that's Charlie. But anyway, um, you know, obviously we all had extra time during this, and uh, Charlie, I actually told Charlie, I said, I know we talked about it before, but why don't we actually do it? We'll do a video, and we'll uh, you know kind of pick a song and. We were throwing around ideas and I said, I think I have a bass player, you know, kind of the same thing that you did. And uh, I asked PJ and then John five got on board and, uh, you know, is lightweights, you know, just really terrible players. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how it happened. It was, you know, just, just for fun, you know, and uh, then we ended up doing the second one and, um, but, you know, it's just to, you know, introduce PJ and, and uh, those guys, it's cool because I've known Charlie and Chris, you've known Charlie and you know, now the circle is kind of complete as far as uh six degrees of separation or whatever they call it. Um, I bought Char- I bought Charlie's coffee, uh, his shirt for his company. I've never <laughs> met Charlie. I'm a huge Charlie. I'm a huge. Anthony. That's cool. I've never met Charlie, I, but... 
I invited him to your show when he when you were uh, in Chicago. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. But, yeah, they ended up not being able to come. He was busy, but I was trying to hook you guys up. BJ, did you did you have any interactions with Charlie at all, uh, or or John? I had known Charlie for a good good number of years. I mean, not very well, but I mean, we'd see each other a lot over the. I mean, from the late '80s on to you know to currently, and we have a lot of mutual friends too. So I mean, there is there was definitely a uh, a connection there already. We have a rapport, so to speak, but you know we never worked together and didn't talk on it. Well, see, that's a great uh, kind of a, a you never want to use positive in coronavirus in the same sentence, but that's another one of the pluses of the Corona lockdown is that you had Anthrax and Trickster working together. You yeah, know. The comment on the, on the Mr. Speed video, like, I don't think I'd ever live to see the day that I would see the Anthrax and the bass player and Trickster recording together. <laughs> How about in, this? Yeah, in masks too. You guys had like the 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 is it was it like the the toque with the mask on it or whatever it was. I had the rubber mask on. Yeah. So did you guys did did you have to all order your own or did Charlie send them all to you? Nope, we're all at our own uh, <laughs> our own devices there. John Five had the original from 1978. Yeah. <laughs> of course. He's like the hot kids Halloween costume or something like that. <laughs> he, he's got the original yeah, stuff. Like this. His collection is insane. Yeah. It's very insane. But then Kent, just once again, to complete the circle, then Bruce calls you to play some drums on one of his songs. Incredible. Yeah, before that, I mean, I got to play uh, PJ. Uh, let, I was on. Oh, you played on PJ's record I too? I did. I played on one song. I was getting to that. We're all ancestral. Yeah, this isn't <laughs> crazy. Yeah, well, I'm from Kentucky, so it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. No, no, but anyway, I digress. All right, Kent, how did you end up playing on Bruce Kulick's songs? Bruce reached out, and him and his wife were doing. Um, the, the band with Michael Bolton, uh, somebody... Um, Blackjack. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I had a brain lapse there. Uh, Blackjack. So the song that he had written, uh, as far as I know, with uh, Michael, or co-wrote, and he was wanting to recut that and um, do kind of a play-along thing that him and his wife were going to do. You know how he puts up some of the videos of him and his wife singing? Yes, yeah, singing, so, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, he asked me to play drums on it. And uh, again, uh, you know... 90 you know i saw bruce in 88 i think was the first time i saw bruce was on the crazy nights tour and i you know i, I don't take any of this for granted it's it's just it trips yeah. me out the fact that i could shoot bruce a text and hey man how you doing and he actually responds you know it's like likewise with all you guys you know it's it's, it's just it's crazy the way this whole thing happened so yeah i played on a bruce song pj song i played with chris jericho and by god joe mcginnis Kiss has a way of connecting people, you know, and that always has been. Uh, and Joe, you actually, uh, I'm paraphrasing this. If, so if I'm wrong, please correct me. But you have some kind of an endorsement deal now that Bruce hooked up for you? Yeah. So ESP guitars. That's great. Well, he saw me playing the, the LTD ESP and the No, No, No video. And he's like, are you endorsed? I said, no, no. By no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, no, no. And, no, whole price. <laughs> Uh, my people at ESP and I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay. You know, I'll never hear anything. A couple days later, I got an email from Tony at ESP and, you know, I put together a, a little, um, you know, press kit and a little bit of a video with that. And you guys helped me out with that. So thank you. But uh, yeah, I put that out. And within a couple of days he said, yeah, you're, we want you. Uh, and 
that was you know the rest is history so now uh you know i play exclusively ESPRs. i mean that's so badass man that's really cool but you know it also speaks a lot to bruce and how you know just what a great guy he is he's just so i don't know he's just so uh kind and generous and you know they always say don't uh meet your uh idols or whatever but man he's he proves that whole theory yeah. he's just yeah. paul called him a mensch in his book i was like what does a mensch mean to me it's a jewish word for like just a great dude you know he's, he's got a good soul you can tell when you talk to him or he's just soft-spoken and he, he he's got a, a passion for what he does and i'm honored to fly the flag for this era of kiss that he yeah. was in because i wouldn't be here without it you know so as we start to kind of wind down here, let's talk about our first big meeting, which is great. So, so you know, once again, every trip nowadays is, is a little bit of an adventure, you know. And the one thing that I have and PJ as well is that we've still been working and have been taking some trips and that sort of thing. But I believe for both Kent and Joe, coming to Tampa was maybe your first trip in a year, almost 10 months, whatever it was. Kent? I had had a, I had had a handful of trips. I, I have a buddy of mine, a producer buddy, I work with in Fort Myers. I'd been to right. Town. I'd, I'd flown maybe twice, uh, maybe twice. So I was, you know, doing the whole wipe wipe the seat down, mask and double mask and goggles and the whole thing, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I um, so it worked out. Lo and behold, I was Super Bowl weekend. Um, we had mm. already planned the video shoot at your place. And then I get an email from, from Luke's camp saying, hey, we're going to do a thing for the Super Bowl. Literally the day before I was going to fly in with you guys. That's awesome. So anyway, I just turned it into a, to a trip. And I went to, uh, after I got done with the video, I rented a car the next day and went to Fort Myers and did, did some sessions with my buddy, Julian. So it's just, again, the way the, the universe worked that whole trip out. I did have to play with Luke, flew in with those guys. <laughs> Was at your place doing the video, and then to Fort Myers, and then back home. So, and that was that was your first gig with Luke in ten months. A long time, yeah. We've done some filming for a a, an award show type thing, but it was just kind of in and out. Yeah. So it was was the first time I really got to talk to him in a while, and and talk to some of the camp in a while, and just shoot the breeze and just hey, how's life kind of thing. You know, it's been a while. And that's what's so cool about this. Not I digress real quick, but. I mean, when we started this thing, it was in knee deep. We were up to our eyeballs in Corona. Like this had just happened. So we were yeah. all, I mean, who knows what this is going to do. And so to come where we are now and we got to fly to your place and do what we did and actually be in the same. We yeah, all, same room. Yeah. We all been tested and all this and that. And so it was really cool to actually be in the same room with you guys. So We missed Ken when, when uh, we watched Animal Eyes. His ride was trying to leave two hours before. I'm like, I just ordered a whole bunch of food. You're not going anywhere, Schlotsky, whatever his name was. You go back inside the house right now. Rick, you fly right now. You can't leave. Uh, man, I was so funny. <laughs> then you guys sent me the picture of you guys doing the intro, and I was like, man. Like, <laughs> I was so mad. But, Joe, this was actually your, your first trip it in was. a year, right? Uh, we've been, you know, grounded, you know, uh, here in New York where I live, and you know, it's just, I was a little bit apprehensive, uh, not apprehensive, but a little bit uh, nervous, not knowing what to expect with, you know, how airlines are, or yeah. how uh, crazy things could get uh, during a pandemic, you know, so this was my first time getting on a plane in uh, quite a while, and, uh, you know, landing in 
Tampa the day after the Super Bowl when everyone's trying to get out. <laughs> uh, so, but overall, you know, I focused on the destination and not as much as, the, you know, on the trip, you know, because I knew that whatever we were going to do was going to be a blast and it turned out great. And it was, you know, funny the first time, you know, we, we drove drove into your driveway and uh, headed up there and first thing you said was, you're a real boy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a real boy, Joe. You actually exist. <laughs> that's, that's what I said to PJ the night before he, 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 he met with you and your wife and uh, had a drink or wherever the hell you guys were. And I said, do you guys, they, do you guys still like each other? Is the band still together? Or have we broken up? Like when you meet face to face, is everybody, is everyone really cool or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool because the trip offered some normalcy and a relief from all this. So, I mean, just the whole experience was great. However, PJ almost got knocked out of his chair at the <laughs> I heard about this. But uh, what happened? There was there was some uh, altercation happening at the the sports bar where we were having <laughs> a meal. And PJ had his back turned to this guy who was getting pretty uh, pretty uh, fired. <laughs> fired up. I'm really talking to Joe and his wife, and I'm like, I hear this yelling and screaming, and I don't know, you know, I got kids, so I hear that in my head all the time. I know how to block it out. So I'm like, oh, but then he's then it's getting closer. I'm going, what's going on? I'm like, oh my god, there's a guy standing at the table behind me, yelling into the face of some other guy who's sitting down, like, and I just said to Joe and and his wife Julie, I'm like, even if I was anywhere near that guy's size or in any physical shape to approach that guy. I couldn't match his intensity right now. So <laughs> swinging. I hope there's somebody in here that could take care of that. <laughs> I'm not going to try. I'm going to get up and go, all right, wait, hold on. What's up, dude? <laughs> like, you, you can't do that. No, you would get up and say, you know, I'm a pretty rough guy. <laughs> and they would run. I had no roughness that day. <laughs> you know it's funny too just to go back to when we were talking about how joe uh, this is kind of his first exposure to this side of the coin and when we were doing the video and his wife uh, who was amazing and you're so cool you're like i have my wife with me do you mind if she comes to watch the shoot like if not she'll just stay like where stay at the hotel for 15 hours as we do this shoot have her come so she was off watching, and we were doing our big scene with, like, you know, talking about the roughage, and we're, which was PJ's idea, by the way, which is amazing. And I'm a pretty rough guy. She's like, Joe, stop laughing, stop smiling, stop looking at the camera. <laughs> every time he look at, every time he look at you, Chris, or anybody else but the cereal bowl, he would laugh. <laughs> but we got it. I watch it back, and it's perfect. And I was like, this is the perfect amount to give Joe. You've got one line, <laughs> and you look up, and you say, it and you look down. We'll ease into it. I'm not. Uh... You know, I know it. I'll, yeah. I'll accept one line. That's why you had the line. That's exactly why you had it. You saved I'm gonna me. Need my, I'm going to need my script before the next video shoot. I need, I need it right. ahead of time that way I can memorize it. It's not like Jerry Seinfeld when he says a says a line on the show and he can't stop smirking. It's just laughing. Jimmy Fallon on Siren Live laughing. Well, the funny thing is, PJ, PJ sent a text about doing an intro based on Exposed and none of us responded to it, which I think hurt his feelings a bit. I'm like, I don't even know these guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, we text so much, I never even noticed it. I didn't see it. it you know, but, yeah. It was a great idea. And then I was like, well, what if we kind of expanded a bit? And you're like, what do you mean? So I wrote up like the worst script ever, like in three minutes at a red light. Send it to you guys. I said, this is what we're doing, like, you know, tonight or tomorrow. 
but that's what it was. We started it was. what you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. It, great. Great. It was really fun to, to, like you said, just to be doing a video and, 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 you know, just to be around the guys and then Nathan Mowry, who's the director, great ideas. And, and like I said, all I saw, thought of was let, let's make this kind of like, okay, what can we do? Let's make it like the lick it up video. Uh, all hell's break loose post-apocalyptic with the barrels of fire. And that's exactly what they did. It was incredible. <laughs> it's great. Honestly, it was all hands on deck too. We and, had guys. And I had no idea that and- actually going to be a hoop of fire that you were going to jump through. I was like, man, I, I had so many regrets. Like, because you were like, build it, Joe. You're good at. I'm like, well, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get a hoop of fire on a plane. So <laughs> I just throw everything on you. Joe can do it. He can build shit. Right. Yeah, like, going, how am I going to get me on a plane, let alone a hoop of fire? Right. Right. I'm not even ready to go. So PJ and I are at dinner, and the next thing I know, I, I'm like, PJ, man, I really wish we had that hoop of fire. That would have been so awesome. And he goes, he's probably doing dry runs with it right now. Are you kidding? <laughs> I know, Chris. And yeah. I swear to God, it was like an hour later, that message comes up. And it shows shows the hoop of fire. And PJ texts me <laughs> on just our single, you know, back and forth. PJ goes, what did I tell you? <laughs> Not only that, Chris also goes during the day, yeah, I'm also going to light my hands on fire. Yeah. I was like, what? But it's like, yeah, you know, like we're, you know, like Paul's if I was a kid watching that video in 2021 and I knew nothing about Kiss and I saw that, I would be hooked. I would say that. Is awesome. Just to, to you know, I've said this before, but to say it on our show, like that's how I got into Kiss. So the first thing I ever saw, like I knew the makeup thing, whatever, but I had no idea they took their makeup off. And when I saw Heavens on Fire, I was like, who's that guy? Because it starts with his hands on fire. And then you watch them, it's still the best. They're just having the best time. And there's naked chicks and they're making out and tongues are out and, <laughs> and the showers. And, uh, and at the end, then the f- guy jumps through the hoop of fire. And I was like, I love this guy. Who is that? That's Paul Stanley. That's Kiss. Like what? Right. So deep down inside, when we started, you know, doing this, somehow I was like, I have to jump through a hoop of fire. So Nathan is a fire guy. He works with the Cherry Bombs, who were in the first in the Judas video and in the Painless video. So I said, Nathan, you gotta find me a hoop of fire. And that's all I had to say. It took dude. He had to borrow his brother's truck because his car was too small to <laughs> hold the hoop of. fire. He had barrels, hoops of fire. Everything. He, he's the one who came up with the idea of burning my hands. And it's like, and, and by the way, no safety measures. <laughs> there was, I didn't see a fire extinguisher anywhere. No. And I'm like, I don't mind jumping through the fire, but how am I going to land? And dude, I jumped because I know you got to be straight. And when I landed on a thing, it was like a thud right on my bread basket. Just, and the fact you did it. Real like, live audio of that and you landing on the mat. It's like, I still think we should have put that at the end of the video. Silence long and. Would you say, Joe? That first jump, you nailed it first try. Well, and I, I knew, that's why I said, make sure you get this because I don't know how I'm going to land. And if you want me to do it again, it won't be as good. Of course, they did want me to do it again. And then I bail a bit because I know I don't want to land on my stomach again. So we used the first one. We got exactly what we needed. And one last thing is that we filmed it on a Tuesday, knowing that our song was coming out on the Friday. And Nathan did it, man. He put, And I was, I was skiing in Park City, putting together the last edits on the chairlift when you're going up with my hand, like gloves are off and I'm watching and I'm like, that's incredible. Just edit this out. <laughs> and you know, also too, while we're on here too, a lot of people, 
the sonic vision that that Chris you had and we all kind of agreed to too was kind of taking the old Kiss sound. If we, if Kiss was to come out today, what today. would it sound like? So taking the industrial sound yeah, today and, and kind of putting that. So let, I want to give props to uh, Kyle O'Dell. Yes, Kyle O'Dell. Yeah, for mixing. Yeah. The, he maybe uh, Chris, you've worked with him. Yes, it's on Fozzy stuff, right? Yes, but that guy is a monster. I I was uh, fortunate last year to have three top 25 songs with three different bands. Nowhere to Run by Fozzie went to 10. That's crazy. Wow. Wheel Blocks went to 20 and No 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 was 25. All of those were mixed by Kyle O'Dell. He's there you go. great, great uh, mixer. And I said to him from the start, he's like, what do you want from this? And I said, like, do you want me to capture the original sound? I said, no, like imagine this song came out in 2020 and wanted to be on the radio because that's what we wanted. We wanted the song to be on the radio. So, and that's where we're laughing about PJ's Frank Bellow bass tone spot on snare, the snare drum. And the, it, the whole thing is just amazing. So, uh, the drums are right here, you know, right and in front. I'm saying, uh, Casey and Rick. Your buddy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Casey and Rick. All no. hands on deck. The wives and everybody. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Everyone doing the, yeah. Casey from Queens, right? Casey Grillo lent us his drums. He also did a great, um, drum head for it so like like you guys said it was all hands on deck and it worked out great because the first week we did forty thousand views and we'll hit a hundred thousand probably quicker than no 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 and, and heart of chrome did so and we may even play live one day who knows well that's the thing so that i got two more things i want to talk one is that since loves the deadly weapon came out we already have offers to play gigs pj yeah right. yeah pj yeah we're getting getting the calls already coming in yeah you guys are my son's birthday party <laughs> hey We'll do it, man. I re- I wrestled at a birthday party once. I got paid a hot dog and an orange juice, so you can't do worse than that. But I, I think that's one thing. Like We were talking about maybe doing something on the Jericho cruise, and I, I love the fact that, once again, like we said earlier, we can do this as much as we want or as little as we want, but there's no reason to ever not do it. And I would like to play live, and I'd like to make it very special to, I don't know, I'm just listening to me, delusions of great expectations. You've got great expectations. You know, we could do Kiss Cruises or we could do Kiss Conventions or we could do M3 or like those type of gigs. Coffee houses. <laughs> Wherever. Well, that's you on your acoustic, PJ. And I'll be in the I'll be in the back cheering you on. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> so now that we know we want to do some more gigs and we want to do some more songs, we don't want to give anything away. But let's give th- let's give two or three choices as the last questions of songs that we would like to do in the future is quarantine, because like we keep saying between lick it up, animalize asylum, crazy nights, uh, hot in the shade, revenge carnival. There's literally probably 20 songs off the top of our heads that we could do, you know, and that's, there's probably more than that. Oh my gosh. I could go on and on, you know, any of I, you guys throw me any song and I'm down for it. Uh, so, well, what, what choices would you, you start? What choices would you like to do, Kent, if you could? Man, I tell you, so we're keeping it obscure. I've always dug uh, Tough Love, I think, is, is always Ooh. one of my favorites. Um, I'm going to try to go through albums. Let's see. Let's. Uh, I'll, I'll pick a Gene song. I like uh, Trial by Fire. Mm. I've always loved that melody. Um, let's see. I'll go back to a Paul song. Gosh, that wasn't a Bruce song I was getting ready to say, but uh, I'll just throw one that's not a Bruce song. I've always had a, 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 a really, I've always dug I've Had Enough into the fire. Yeah. That's just, that album is, is, is awesome too. But, you know, a Bruce song, I would say, you know, 
Gosh, there's so many. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I'm a <clears throat> who wants to be lonely fan. So do, but does that count though? Because they made a video for it though. Yeah, but it, like, here's how I look at it. Like an average person may not know that song. You know, it wasn't like Crazy Nights or Rock and Roll All Night or. It was never a single. I'll tell you that. But that's basically what I'm getting at. But uh, you know, I, I like any way you slice it. I like, mm. you know. <laughs> What a song title. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, anything off Crazy Nights, I'm just such a huge fan of anything Bruce did with them. Um, you know, even stuff off Hot in the Shade, man. I mean, so uh, I see. Oh, yeah. Great stuff there. King of Hearts. Holy cow. Yeah. You you talk about like uh, like a million to one is right up there for me. I know Steve Brown covered it, but it was more of a, like, but that was never a single, which is ridiculous. Should have been a single. Under the Gun. Oh, yep. great. Uh, Silver Spoon. Oh. Mm -hmm. I would love to do a version of My Way, but the rule is no keyboards allowed. So whatever keyboard part there is, Joe, you would have to make it heavy, right? I can make it sound contemporary. and Like that would be great with, instead of the keyboards, of a guitar, but or whatever, you know? I think that's the problem a lot of KISS fans have with some of that stuff was the keyboards. It wasn't the yeah. they're great, you know, it's the production with a keyboard. If you take that out and we kind of revamp it, we could, you know, we make do that really banging and, uh, you know, great. Another one that I think is amazing is Master and Slave. Oh, from Carnival. I, love, I love Carnival. I love that because yeah. it's so different. What do you think, PJ? I've always loved Good Girl Gone Bad. Oh, that was under contention for a single at one point. That melody. Great so song, awesome. man. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, take It Off. Oh, what a video that could be. DJ wow. No, he's got <laughs> uh, Alive, maybe. Oh. Oh, that's a good one, too, yeah. Well, you are trying to kill me. I don't, I don't know if I could ever sing the lyric, my mind is getting dirty at around 1130. Uh-huh. <laughs> I might start laughing halfway through. <laughs> well, I hop into the car, I hop into my car, hit the local. Teddy Bob, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. A point being, there's so much great material. We could do this for years and years and years. And unfortunately, Joey Cassad is, is going to end up assassinating all of us. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Loves a deadly weapon is great. I hate you. What's that Adam Sandler movie? He gets a phone. He crosses his name off a list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, he's got a list of his own. Yeah, yeah. The list of Cassada. I'm more afraid of his list than yours. Guys, great. Always great talking to you. And uh, hanging out with you guys. And like I said, it was awesome to actually see you guys face to face and give real hugs and real, you know, kisses on the cheek and all that great stuff that we did. So the next step, uh, besides the next quarantine song, it will be doing a gig, which I'm super excited about. We already came up with a set list the other night. And like, it's it's like being a 15 year old kid again. Like, what's your dream kiss non makeup set list? Now we actually get to do it. So yeah. good. It's exciting. Um, it's exciting. And once again, like you said, we can do this project for as long as we choose to. And I would like to continue doing it for uh, for as long as all of us are still on this planet. As long as all of us are still, I'm alive! All right. Well, the good thing is the songs are already written. We just got to choose them, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the it. perfect side project. We don't have to do anything to play this. It doesn't have to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Great talking to you. Thank you, See man. See you, guys. See you, fellas.